Welcome to the Beyond Barriers podcast. If you're an ambitious woman who wants to dominate your career, then you are in the right place. This podcast is co-hosted by Nikki Barua, digital innovator, serial entrepreneur, author, and speaker. And Monica Marquez, ex-Googler, diversity expert, and senior corporate leader. From inspiring stories to cutting-edge strategies, you'll learn how to develop the skill set, mindset, and tool set to get future-ready fast and accelerate your success. Hi, I'm Nikki Barua, your host for today's episode. If you're overwhelmed with fear and anxiety and don't know what to do during a pandemic, you are not alone. We're all trying to navigate through turbulence and it feels like we don't have a compass and we just have a ton of risk and uncertainty. That's why we're speaking with an expert who can guide us on what to do in this unprecedented situation. Our guest today is Pam Isom, President and CEO of Ice Safety Solutions, an award-winning safety products and training company on a mission to mitigate illness, injury, and loss of life. Pam is a biologist and researcher who became an entrepreneur to pursue her desire to save lives. As an expert in safety protocols, Pam provides tips on how to protect yourself and your loved ones, what steps you must take to manage your business and personal finances, and why it's important to always be prepared. Visit imbeyondbearers.com where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources in this episode, including the best way to get in touch with Pam. Hey, Pam, welcome to the show. I'm so glad to have you here. Um, this is just the perfect time to listen in to an expert like yourself. So um, thanks for taking the time to be here. Oh, you're so welcome. I'm so excited and very honored. Thank you. Well, let's start with uh, telling our listeners about you. Uh, share a little bit about who you are and your journey. Uh, thank you. Well, it really started when I was 16 years old. Uh, I was training to be a lifeguard and took lots of CPR training and lifeguard training and, and such. And my dad suffered a cardiac arrest and I thought he was joking. And then we realized it, it was real. And because of the CPR training that I had, I was able to leap in the action and my dad survived. And that's where I fell in love with the heart. So that's where I fell in love. From there, I then went on to become a biologist and then went into cardiovascular research. So I actually was a researcher uh, in preclinical drug development and mm. love that so much and then end up starting a CPR training company. And now it's been 21 years and we're a full service safety training and equipment company. Wow. So that's quite a journey from a lifeguard to experiencing a personal crisis to going into uh, from biologist to researcher to an entrepreneur. Yeah. Yeah. I, I'm in love with the heart and making sure people don't die. Well, that is indeed a very uh, noble cause. And uh, I've personally witnessed the impact you've created. So I know the work you do is uh, so incredibly important, especially right now. So, um, you know, the, the crisis we're all going through as a global community is completely unprecedented. Nothing like this has ever happened in our lifetime. And I would imagine that uh, your company, um, iSafety Solutions, is right in the midst of that. So first off, tell us a, a little bit more about what your company does. Um, and then uh, we can dive into you know what's happening right now. Yeah. So really, what we focus on is 
major corporations, major brands, hospitals, childcare centers, and we mitigate illness, injury, and loss of life. So when you look at how do you make sure your employees don't get sick at work, how do you make sure they don't get injured, and how do you make sure they don't lose their life? So what we do is we put together safety training plans, safety training, safety equipment, medical supplies, and what we do is we build all of that together. So once you have a really good plan, then we put together really strong training. Once we do training, we provide the equipment, and then we continue to build from there. So it could be anything from CPR training, first aid training, to active shooter training, to what we've been doing a lot of over the past two to three weeks is pandemic preparedness training. We were doing that before the pandemic. And now that we're in the middle of the pandemic, we're doing a lot of how do you operate yourself and your business during a pandemic. And believe it or not, we're writing post-pandemic re-entry plans. So we've been really busy over the past seven days uh, because employees are going to be back to work probably by May. So now how do you re-enter all of these employees back into the workforce while still maintaining their safety against, you know, an infectious virus that will target the respiratory system? Wow. I mean, the expertise and insights that you can provide are so timely and important right now. Um, can you share with us some of the things in terms of preparedness, um, both personally and professionally, that everyone should consider? Yeah, let me go ahead and start with personally, because everyone is probably working from home if they're if they're listening to this message. So, a couple things is to understand what proper hand washing means. So, for example, we touch our face over, I want to say 93 times per day. And we don't even recognize when we're touching our face because it's so subconscious. So one of the first things in preparedness, and you can do this for yourself and others can do it for themselves and their kids, is put on a pair of gloves and wear a pair of gloves for two or three hours. And you will sense yourself trying to touch your face and then you realize, oh, I have gloves and then you'll move your hands away. So the first thing to do is to wear gloves to train yourself not to touch your face. The other thing with COVID-19, it's what we're calling a very sticky virus, meaning the virus lives in the upper respiratory compared to the lower respiratory. Because it lives in the upper respiratory, it can release from the body or the host very easily. So because it's living in the upper respiratory, it can release from the nose and release from the mouth through simple droplets of saliva or just simple droplets that become aerosolized. Mm -hmm. And because of that, if that droplet with the virus lands on, let's say, cardboard, the virus can live on cardboard for 24 hours. That virus can live on plastic or stainless steel for 24 to 48 hours. Wow. So if we touch an area that 
the virus is present and then we touch our mouth or nose or eyes, we give the virus a direct route into ourselves. So mm. really understanding, reducing touching surfaces. And that means when you go to the store, wear a pair of gloves, right? You want to reduce right. touching the box of cereal or a table or the cart. But here's the thing. You have to remove your gloves before you get in your car. And I'm seeing people wearing gloves from the grocery store into the car, and now you've just taken virus and put it all over your steering wheel and your gear shift and things like that. Oh, wow. And that, that's a great point. I mean, they were transitioning uh, this from different surfaces and different areas and continuing the spread of the virus. So uh, being that aware of knowing whether it's our shoes or gloves and things like that, that we are creating separation uh, and punctuating, if you will, in each of these places. Right. If I could add a couple more things on preparedness. The second is uh, washing your hands. And so um, there's the best way to wash your hands is if you could put soap on each of your palms before you get them wet, maybe get it a tiny bit wet, but put soap on your left palm and your right palm, and then hold the soap in your hand, rotate to the back of your hands, and put soap on the back of each of your hands. Then before you contact into water, you want to rub them so vigorously between your fingers and your fin fingertips, again, before you put them underwater, and you want to rub, rub them vigorously because you have to break the cell wall in order to get the soap into the nucleus of the cell, and that's what breaks the cell down. A lot of people are putting soap on their hands, going straight to the water, and the soap is just flushing down the sink. And that's why you have to think about vigorously rubbing. Really imagine you're breaking a cell wall. And if you're using hand sanitizer, we're seeing people just squirt the hand sanitizer, you know, put it on like they're putting lotion and then moving on. And you haven't broken the cell wall. So even using hand sanitizer, you want to put it four places, your palms and the back of your hand. And then you literally want to vigorously rub all areas of your hands and your fingertips for 20 to 30 seconds with that hand sanitizer. And if you use a vigoring motion, again, you break down the cell wall. Because we know that the virus um, can aerosolize, something that you could do for your parents, like my mom is 83, um, and maybe some of us are living with our parents or um, grandkids are there. There's a lot of people coming in and out the house. If they could purchase a warm mist humidifier, and even for yourself, you can do it too, but purchase a warm mist humidifier, not cool mist. It needs to be warm mist because the warm mist creates a humid environment and the virus does not like warm environments. This is why with influenza, the traditional flu, you don't see influenza when it comes to June, July, August, September. You just don't see influenza because it's too warm, mm. right? And then again, when it gets cold, October, November, December, we see influenza again. So getting a warm mist humidifier in your home really helps kind of create a human environment that the virus cannot survive. Um, wiping surfaces, again, it's the same thing. You want to think about breaking the cell wall. So if you are going to use wipes and things to clean uh, door handles and you know, countertops, you want to think about using a vigorous motion, again, breaking the cell wall.
wall. When you receive your packages in the mail, like your you like your UPS or your maybe Amazon shipments, anything on cardboard, remember that buyers can live on cardboard for 24 hours and we don't know how long your shipment was en route or the UPS carrier they're wearing gloves now, but I don't think Amazon is wearing gloves when they deliver. But consider this, when you get your um, cardboard package in the mail, purchase maybe a bottle of Lysol spray. Uh, if you don't have Lysol spray, you can use bleach and water, but you have to use a dilution of one to 10. For mm -hmm. example, one ounce of bleach to 10 ounces of water, you have to make it fresh every single day. So you can't make a one to 10 dilution of bleach and water, put it in a spray bottle and then use it for weeks. No, you have to make it fresh every day because the sunlight will break down the bleach chemical. Uh, but what you wanna do is Lysol or use this dilution of bleach all along the cardboard and then let that sit for about 20 minutes and then open your package. You wanna do the same with your shoes. You wanna use some type of Lysol spray disinfectant or at least bleach and water on the bottom of your shoes just so anything you're bringing into your home can actually get decontaminated. Got it. Well, um, what about kids? I mean, what can parents do in terms of protecting their kids that uh, may be too young to recognize, you know, touching of the face and so forth? Uh, here's a great activity if your kids are over five years old. Uh, you could go online and you could purchase an item called Glow Germ, and it's spelled G-L-O. G-E-R-M. I think they're glowgerm.com. G-L-O-G-E-R-M. And it's the coolest thing. It's basically a baby oil based and mm -hmm. it creates a glow in the dark pretend germ. So you can buy orange or white. I like orange. And what you can do is you can put this a little dollop of glow germ and have your kids rub their hands and it'll be invisible. And then glow germ sells a black light along with the glow germ. So you turn off the lights and then you shine the glow germ and it'll be glowing orange if that's the color you bought. Then you have your kids go and wash their hands, turn off the lights, use a, use the black light and they'll still be glowing. And then you're going to be like, remember, you're supposed to rub really hard and in between your fingers and your fingertips and then test it again. And the glow germ activity can be used over and over and over for so many kids to really teach them what proper hand washing is. And mm. then you can do fun stuff like accidentally touch your nose or accidentally touch your face or accidentally touch your door handle and use your black light and you'll see, see everywhere we touch before we wash our hands, we're moving the glow, the glow germ all over you know, the place. So that is a great activity to really teach your kids how to wash their hands and to put on hand sanitizer properly. So yeah, Nikki, let's talk for a second on a, a safety plan if you are not sure if you're positive for COVID-19, regular influenza flu, or even allergies, because that is really, really important right now. Mm -hmm. So um, once we've done all the preparedness, we know how to wash our hands, we know how to use hand sanitizers, we know about touching services and not touching our face, you know, what happens when you or your kids, you know, comes down with that sore throat? The one thing that really designates COVID-19 is there is coughing because it's in the upper respiratory and there will be fever, okay? So there, it, 
always, and it presents as a pretty high fever when it starts out, like high fever meaning 101, 102. So with that high fever, with that cough, and the other thing it presents of shortness of breath, it's very difficult to take one breath in or one breath out. So if you have someone in your family and they're like, oh, my throat is hurting, I, I think I have it. That's what happened to my 20-year-old who runs into my bedroom, you know, at 6 a.m. And she goes, I have it. I'm like, have what? <laughs> and she's like, I had the virus. And I was like, okay did we take your temperature? And she's like, no. And I was like, take it. And it's like 97.8. And I was like, you don't have it. Oh, you sure? I'm like, yeah, because you don't have a fever. Um, COVID-19, there is always a fever that presents with it. So we took her fever. It was normal. She wasn't coughing. She didn't have shortness of breath. So she just had the regular, just a regular sore throat. At this point, you want to take um, all your traditional sore throat stuff, gargle with salt water, take your you know, anything cold and cough, but you really want to look at zinc, zinc plus vitamin C together. You want to take them together because zinc has antiviral properties and uh, Zycam, which is a traditional zinc throat lozenges is no longer available. You, I did see zinc tablets available at GNC. I did just see that, but what you can actually do is make your own zinc lozenge and um, I can post the, a blog I found to make my own zinc lozenge but yeah you basically take your zinc and you crush it take some vitamin c and then just some sugar water lemon and honey and you can make your own zinc lozenges so that's really important Got it. if if you need to call 911 because there is shortness of breath let's say a family member has a fever shortness of breath and a cough you want to call 911 and then you want to um whoever the patient is and 911 is showing up, please try to put a mask on them because we don't want to contaminate our EMS rescuers and first responders. Mm -hmm. If you believe you have the flu, you'll know it because it will be traditional symptoms. It'll start with low-grade fever, typically 99-100, uh, headache, fever, chills, weakness, joint pain. That is the traditional flu. And then allergies has no fever and just itchy sneezing, runny nose. And whether you believe you have COVID-19 or the traditional flu, it is important to call your doctor immediately. They're doing a lot of telemedicine right now. They will video conference with you. If you have influenza and they diagnose you through telemedicine or on the phone that you have the flu or influenza, they are going to prescribe to you Tamiflu and T-A-M-I-F-L-U Tamiflu is an antiviral and it'll cut your influenza symptoms and uh, prognosis in half. So that's mm -hmm. going to be great. COVID-19, we don't have an antiviral developed yet, but they will start to diagnose you over the phone. We don't want COVID-19 patients walking into an ER where we have someone having a heart attack or diabetic emergency or stroke. They want to diagnose your, your positive symptom on telemedicine or the phone. And what about testing? So they are right now, because of the shortest of testing, they are testing critical care patients with severe respiratory illness, and they're going to they're gonna test them first. Because if, you, if they diagnose you over the phone through telemedicine that you are positive or you may be positive for COVID-19, 
if you are having mild symptoms, they are going to continue to treat you at home without testing because they need to reserve the testing for critical care patients that are in a life-threatening condition. Got it. So um, if someone has a family member um, in that situation, what should they do beyond uh, you know, um, getting medical help? What should the household do? So what the household needs to do, so if my daughter had significant fever, cough, and shortness of breath, we called and or telemedicine with our healthcare provider. At that point, then the healthcare provider will probably quarantine the family room or the family member to their bedroom. And at that point, that family member will continue to be monitored and treated. The healthcare professional will advise possibly acetaminophen, possibly other type of comfort medications to help that family member get through uh, the coronavirus. It is a cousin of influenza, so they will be treating you as the flu. As the symptoms progress and it really affects the respiratory system, at that point, a 911 decision will be made and that person will be transferred into the hospital uh, because of the respiratory distress. Got it. Wow, there's a lot for us to do in terms of taking care of ourselves as well as uh, you know our families, uh, and also being very mindful of uh, you know being uh, not being contagious or hurting other people that might be exposed, and uh, especially to our first responders that are putting themselves at such great risk to uh, take care of our community. Right. Right. It is really important. We have a lot of patients in the hospital with life-threatening COVID-19 symptoms, and they're treating them rapidly. And that's why those patients that are very mild, um, I'll go ahead and use the basketball player um, Donovan Mitchell from the Utah Jazz, and also Rudy Gobert, also Utah Jazz. They're actually being treated at home. They're not being treated in the hospital because their uh, symptoms are very mild and they're monitored daily through telemedicine. And it is really an effective way to treat patients and be able to treat them at home in the comfort of their home and while not exposing other patients in the hospital and keeping those hospital rooms and beds open for the most critical that are in life-threatening condition. Got it. Well, Pam, uh, this has been so helpful. Um, I would love to also get your guidance in terms of Um, your perspective on leading through crisis and what advice you would have to uh, small business owners, entrepreneurs, freelancers, and even professionals, working professionals that are, uh, you know, currently facing a lot of distress and anxiety about uh, what happens with their livelihood. Uh, As much as we're concerned about our lives, it's uh, also impacting us economically and, uh, so many businesses may not make it through this. Um, so what advice um, and guidance can you share about that? Well, it's a perfect question because I, as I was trying to help our customers through, I had this own issue within my own company. Uh, first thing to do is determine your uh, liquidity 30, 60, and 90 days. How much liquid cash do you have to survive for 30 days, for 60 days, and for 90 days? Once you identify your liquidity, that is going to help you identify 
if you need to furlough employees. What our company decided to do, now we're essential. We can continue to operate, but we don't need 100% of our employees and we only had enough cash liquidity for 30 days. So we made that decision to do a layoff, but we determined it as a furlough. What a furlough allows a corporation to do or a small business to do is to lay the employee off with the intent to rehire. Uh, for example, we furloughed uh, our staff for, for four weeks with the, invent, with the intent to rehire. And now what they can do is we can give them their final check, cash out vacation, cash out sit time to give them a lot of cash and bank for them to immediately go to unemployment and seek unemployment benefits. Uh, and we continue to pay for their health care. So it's a really tough decision. We didn't want to do that, but we realized that we needed available cash for, for employees to come back to, right? Mm -hmm. uh, so that was a decision. The next thing you need to do once you determine your liquidity is there are uh, disaster relief loans that are coming out. And um, I didn't, oh, do I have that right here? Yeah, it's through the SBA. So it's sba.gov. And then you can probably put in disaster relief. And those are all available to small businesses. Uh, what I loved what I heard last night from the Federal Reserve is there's a lot of government loans that are coming out, disaster relief. If you want to go ahead and apply for those loans to help keep employees working so they don't have to go on unemployment. And I heard yesterday that they're looking at the loans to be forgivable, meaning there is a possibility that in one year, the government will forgive all loans and then the small business will have, not have to pay them back. So um, immediately get in line because those, those websites are crashing pretty quickly. So you want to do that. The next thing you want to do is if you are in a corporate space, like lease space, or if you're renting and you're running your business from home, you want to immediately negotiate with your landlord. You want to let your landlord know, maybe show them emails of strong customers that are no long, that are, have place you on hold. So talk to the place, whether you're renting personally or you're renting professionally, ask them for a deferred monthly lease payment and even offer them interest. We offered our landlord, if they could pause our rent for April, May, and June, that starting July, we will start paying the difference with interest. So at least we're showing our best effort that mm -hmm. we're not asking for something for nothing. And then the next thing is start cutting every expense you could possibly cut. Um, unfortunately, we had to cut janitorial, right? Um, we had to cut a lot of expenses, but we did not cut any expenses to any MBEs, LBEs, LGBTQ, or veteran businesses. Those businesses we continued to pay in full as quickly as possible. But for example, Office Max, right? That was a company we called and we said, hey, can we hold on our lease payments? Um, if you have car payments, uh, both personally or for the business, immediately call your, your whoever's running your finance, whether that be Toyota Finance or um, Honda Finance. Go ahead and give them a call. They are uh, holding um, car payments for three months, but you do have to give them a call. They're not going to call you and offer it. You need to call them and make that. 
and then start calling your accounts receivables, um, any clients you have in accounts receivables. We are clients where their payments really weren't due, but we actually called and said if they could just pay us immediately by credit card, whether they were due or not, we would offer them a 2% discount. It was amazing how much money started coming in just making those, those phone calls. Um, folks aren't that busy right now. They're actually taking, taking phone calls. And, um, you know, I could go on and on, but those are really the big ones that I can, I can think about. I have some other tips for just kind of every day. If, if I, yeah, that would be great. Um, I think, uh, just in general, you know, tips and, uh, um, myth versus fact, we can go into any of those things. Yeah. So let's go into just everyday business survival tips. So once you've determined your liquidity, 3069, you cut all the expenses, you pause as many, you know, lease payments or car payments or think you've done all of that. You're good to go. And you're like, now I'm going to buckle down to work. First thing you do is you need to start emailing your customers one by one by one and start letting them know they're open. They actually don't know who's open. If you need to forward your phones to your cell phone, you know, do all of that. Uh, we actually got a very big order from Tesla and the order came uh, through actually a phone call, but we were, you know, forwarding our calls and she said, wow, you're the only company that's actually answered their phone. So the other thing is, corporations, and again, this has been the past 72 hours, corporations are dying to fill their supply chain because their supply chain has been obliterated. So if there are corporations that you were talking to in the past and they stopped talking to you, please call them right now. I can't tell you how many companies are, are saying, I know we didn't buy this from you in the past, but can we buy this from you now? So um, really use LinkedIn and blogs and everything you can to email and call, make a point to say, I'm going to call 90 current customers in 90 days. So mm. you're probably like do it much quicker. Um, but I use 90 customers in 90 days or 30 customers in 30 days or, you know, hundred customers in three days, you know, whatever that is, start calling them and ask them one question. Hi, this is Pam. I know things are tough. I just wanted to connect and see how you're doing. Mm. Just call. They, they are scrambling at the big corporations as much as we are. They're struggling with trying to work and keep their kids busy and share any new ideas that, that you have. The other big idea that I have is I recommend sending video emails. Uh, you can send a video email. I use Loom, L-O-O-M.com, Loom.com. There's another company called Bomb, Bomb, B-O-M-B. B-O-M-B, so bombbomb.com. Um, but I personally use uh, Loom, L-O-O-M. And it's awesome because now instead of typing out an email and trying to have empathy, I can actually send a video message through email and I can say, hi, Nikki, it's Pam. I was thinking about you today. I know things are really busy. I just want to send you this video email to share an idea that I have. It is amazing how far a video email can go in terms of sales, design, customer service, leadership, customer support. Uh, so oh, that's, that's a great idea. I think especially at a time when we're all isolated in our own homes mm -hmm. and are finding new ways to connect with each other, um, switching to um, video um, versus just regular email is a terrific yeah. way to get more bonded with each other. Yeah. Yeah. 
So exactly. those are definitely the tips I have for just everyday working. Yeah, these are all phenomenal tips, both on uh, personal health as well as business health and uh, just navigating through all of this crisis. Um, what other things uh, would you share in terms of, you know, uh, there's a lot of confusion about myth versus fact. Um, you know, what are some things you could guide us on? Oh, okay. Myth versus fact. First myth. If you receive an email, no, I'm sorry. If you receive a text or read something on social media like Twitter, don't believe it. There is an amazing amount of myths that are going around in terms of, uh, like a girlfriend sent one to me that said, oh my God, I heard there's going to be a vaccine ready in six months. And it's like myths. You know, I mean, we started clinical trials on them, but that doesn't mean it's going to be available in you know, June, July, or August. So um, there was a, a, a text that was going along that the president's going to send National Guards out and activate the Stafford Act. That, that text was going around like nuts. Well, it's not possible to activate the National Guard in every single city in the United States. That's not possible. The only place you want to be getting any news is from the Center for Disease Control, the CDC, or the World Health Organization. Mm -hmm. uh, those are two really good sites. The one site I'm going to advise nobody to go to, and I know as soon as I say it, you guys are going to go. Do not go to see. Do not go to COVID19.com. Do not go to COVID19.com, and do not go to COVID19.com. It is an advertising site. And they're going to sell you masks and hand sanitizers and all these things. And it is a scam. It is a true scam. The one site that is safe is COVID19.org. COVID19.org, COVID19.org. Does that make sense? So you can see how the scammers already figured out like, oh, yeah, people just go to COVID19.com and they're going to buy from us and people, they're scamming uh, everyone. Yeah, it's so unfortunate that at a time like this, um, you know, in, there is, uh, you know, evil that comes out and people taking advantage of those that are helpless and scared. And yeah. yet at the same time, there are other inspiring stories of people that have really stepped up and uh, are, you know, leading with kindness and compassion. Yeah. So um, yeah. it's the best of times and the worst of times. Yeah. So definitely COVID19.org. Uh, yeah. cdc.gov, uh, WHO, World Health uh, Organization.org, WHO.org. The other thing I would love, I'm going to call it your tribe, but the tribe mm -hmm. that's listening with us today is to pay attention to the recovery data. The media is not doing a very good job about stating the recovery of how many patients are recovering. For example, as of March 17th, which was last week, the United States had 6,515 positive cases, and we had 115 deaths. That means we are running a 1.7% mortality rate, 1.7%. That is a low number. When you compare COVID-19 mortality to influenza mortality, we have 31 million people a year, 31 million mm -hmm. people a year who 
come up positive for influenza and we have a 1% mortality with influenza. So the fact that in the United States that we're running a very low mortality rate with COVID-19 suggests to us that our social distancing, our healthcare system, everyone is doing what needs to be done to keep that mortality rate very low. Does, does that and that's sense? why it's even more important for us to maintain that social distancing and to you know continue with the good practices so that we don't um, you know increase that mortality rate, especially with those that are vulnerable. Right. And the last thing I ask is, anytime you turn on the news, please close your ears when they say another positive coronavirus case, another case in San Jose, another case in you know, Missouri, another case in New York, D.C. Stop paying attention to that number. Stop mm-hmm. paying attention and pay attention to deaths because, as, because we are going to see, especially as more tests comes available, I'm going to say, Nikki, you are going to learn probably within the next four weeks that someone you know is positive for COVID-19 coronavirus, and it is okay. It right. is okay. That it's, this isn't like, oh, geez, I have cancer, right? It right. is dangerous and it is a pandemic, but our healthcare system is equipped to help make sure people don't die. Right. And, and the fact that um, at the end of the day, you know, we um, have the ability to manage and take the precautions and for the most part, um, take care of our health so that we're not exposed. But uh, I think it's important that everyone follow the guidelines um, and not panic, uh, which is not, e- not an easy thing to do in these situations because there's, uh, uh, it's, it's one thing is about your life and your health, but the other is also the financial impact and the social is- isolation that's happening. Right, right. So um, what do you uh, see in the post-pandemic world in terms of what lessons um, uh, do you feel like we're learning as a society as a result of this? I mean, this was something no one anticipated um, and uh, no one anticipated the scale and the rolling effect around the world that this would have uh, on our lives as a society, our livelihood. things are never going to go back to quite the same. It's going to be a different world. And what do you think is going to be most important for us to um, adopt as uh, individuals and as uh, humanity? I would say if I could start small and say personally that I hope that we each can learn the importance of having an earthquake preparedness plan, Mm. the importance of having a rolling power outage plan, the importance of having, if you're in a storm area, a storm and a tornado plan. The way that we plan for an earthquake, a storm, or a pandemic are all exactly the same. It's just that we weren't truthful and transparent enough with ourselves to say, huh, I actually don't have food and water in my house for three days. I don't have a plan for my pets if I couldn't go to the store for three days. How would I run my business if I didn't have power for three days? And now we're all faced with coming up with these plans for three weeks, right? Or potentially even more. Or possibly even more, right? So, you know, once we're past this, really 
what I would like um, all your listeners and your tribe to do is document everything that you're doing around your business and around personally and write yourself your own emergency preparedness plan. How are you working? What are you noticing you don't have? What, what are you noticing that you had to buy, right? What are you noticing mm -hmm. about how you work, about how you grocery shop? What have you been doing? And put that in documentation and have your kids do it with you. Hey, now that we've had to be home for a week so far, what are some things and changes that we had to make? Oh, we had to make sure that we had more, I don't know, beans or rice, or we had to make sure we had enough plugs around the house or backup batteries, you know, have your whole family start talking about what have you done in the past seven days to get yourself to this point. And then you're going to extrapolate that plan for the next earthquake, the next power outage, the next flood or the next storm. Yeah, I think this experience has certainly uh, shaken people out of the complacency and uh, apathy. You know, there's a certain element of belief that it could happen to other people, but not so much to me. Yeah, and I think this has been uh, an incredible lesson for all of us to recognize that, uh, you know, the uh, you can't predict the future, but we must all be prepared for it. Yeah, and probably the next thing is. And when you're making your business continuity plan for your family, for your parents, and for your business, start identifying what you're too dependent on. That's a big one. What am mm. I too dependent on? Am I too dependent on Grubhub? Am I too dependent on wireless? Am I too dependent that on I can eat at my company three meals a day? What are you too dependent on that... Maybe you need to slowly become less dependent. Mm. That's, right? that's, uh, that's a terrific insight. Um, it's certainly making me wonder right now what all those things are. <laughs> but yeah. you have to make uh, changes so quickly in adapting to this. And I think that same goes for um, anyone who is uh, you know, either running a business or in the workforce of what are you taking for granted and what are you assuming will not change at all? It's a good time to really think about that. And I think this is also going to create a shift in terms of, um, you know, how people think of job security, that it, mm -hmm. it's not just about um, a company going out of business or laying you off. Sometimes it could be a pandemic that fundamentally changes the nature of what's possible and to look ahead and to prepare ourselves and to always look at how do you create new opportunities and how do you create more resiliency through um, any situation, whether it's emotional, physical, or financial resilience? Yeah. I think to, when you look at what am I too dependent on, what are the things that you're obviously for business and work, but really on a personal level, like inside your soul, what are you too dependent on that's decreasing your confidence in yourself? Wow. That that's is a, profound. Yeah. That, that's really important. And just speaking to myself, um, I mean, people don't recognize it when they see me, but I am incredibly self-conscious. And what I found was that I was too dependent on, you know, my beauty community to keep my hair colored and keep my eyelashes in and keep my nails going. I was so dependent on that for my self-confidence. And then with everything closing and not having access, 
I did uh, Friday, I did three video conference calls with no eyelashes, no makeup, nothing. And you know what? I felt really good because now you're getting the true Pam Isom. Mm. And and I it's kind of liberating, isn't it? Very liberating. I was just as successful and I was just as smart and I was just as empowering. I was just as helpful. And now I realize I got all these things I thought were important, right? And not just with myself personally. It's like, God, I'm a good cook because now I have to cook, <laughs> you know? And so now I have more confidence in my cooking. I have more confidence in in my personal appearance, right? And so I think once we start peeling the onion on what we're dependent on, and I think all of us listening can feel that, what can we be more confident in and take that confidence into post-pandemic? That's a beautiful, beautiful thought. And I think that is uh, indeed, I think, uh, the kind of change that we do need in this world. And hopefully through all of this um, crisis and uh, loss comes out something beautiful that stays with us. Right. Well, Pam, thank you so much for all of your insight and advice and expert guidance. I think it's so needed during this time. So I really appreciate you taking time in the midst of everything else you're doing to help um, our society and uh, organizations. So um, I appreciate you coming on the show and, and providing very specific tips and guidance on exactly what we can do for ourselves, our businesses, and um, how we can prepare for the world ahead. Oh, you're so welcome. And thank you again. I'm very, very honored. Thanks for listening. There are thousands of podcasts out there, and we are so grateful that you've chosen to listen to ours. Visit IamBeyondBarriers.com, where you'll find show notes and links to all the resources referenced in this episode. And be sure to take the quiz on the website. Your score will tell you where you are, what helps you gain momentum, and what holds you back. You'll also get a free guide with cutting-edge career strategies. We'd also love to hear from you. Share your comments and topic suggestions on IamBeyondBarriers.com and we'll be sure to address them in future episodes. If you enjoyed our show today, please subscribe and rate the podcast or just tell a friend about it. See you next episode.